Welcome to Read By, where today's finest authors read what matters to them, from their homes to yours. In this episode, Monique Truong reads from Memoirs of a Polar Bear by Yoko Tawada. To learn more from Truong about her choices, check out the episode description. And now, Read By, Monique Truong. Hello, this is Monique Truong, and I'm going to read from Memoirs of a Polar Bear, a novel by Yoko Tawada, translated from the German by Susan Bonofsky. This is from Chapter 1, The Grandmother, An Evolutionary Theory. A new week began. A postman arrived panting, his cheeks bright red, to deliver a registered letter. It was an invitation to an international conference that was to take place in West Berlin. The letter was written in a cold, acerbic style, which made me all the more astonished to learn that the organizers were offering an honorarium of $10,000 for my participation. I must have misunderstood, I thought, and read the letter a second time. But the exact same thing was written there in black and white. $10,000 and West Berlin. Why were they paying so much? It was also strange that the money was to be sent not to me personally, but to the writers' union in my country. Later, it slowly began to make sense to me. Without the offer of money, I couldn't receive a permit to travel abroad. It took me less than two weeks to assemble all my documents, including an airplane ticket from Moscow to Berlin-Schoenfeld, I hardly had any luggage with me, as it was to be such a short trip. The airplane smelled of melting plastic, and sitting in it didn't make me feel any calmer, as the seat was built along narrow lines. The plane landed at Berlin-Schoenfeld, and I was met by policemen, who appeared to have been waiting for me the entire time. They got into a van with me and took me to a train station, where they deposited me in a dainty little train headed for West Berlin. When the border guard came through, I showed him all the paperwork I'd been given. The train was strangely empty, and landscapes empty of human beings flew by outside. They were deformed by the thick glass of the window. A fly bumped against my forehead, or wait, not a fly, a sentence. I am going into exile. Suddenly, I grasped my situation. Someone had devised this escape for me, to save me, from a danger I hadn't known existed. Red plastic spectacles appeared before my eyes. It was a woman, still young, perhaps twenty or so. She asked me something, and I answered in Russian. I don't understand. Then the spectacles asked in shaky Russian if I was Russian. Of course not. But how was I supposed to explain to her what I am? While I was hunting for the words, she said, Oh, I see. You're a member of an ethnic minority, is that it? I wrote a term paper about the human rights of ethnic minorities, and it's the first time I got a good grade. It was a really wonderful experience. Long live minorities. The plastic spectacles sat down next to me while I was still wrestling with the confusion in my head. 
Was my clan part of an ethnic minority? It's certainly possible that we are fewer in number than the Russians, at least in the cities, but high up in the north, many more of our sort exist in nature than Russians. Minorities are fabulous! The spectacles exclaimed, apparently having skidded into some sort of manic state. She wouldn't leave me alone, kept bombarding me with questions, such as, where I was going, and whether I had any friends in West Berlin. I chose not to answer these questions. So typical of a spy. The plane trees that just a moment before had been jogging through the landscape with impressive speed now tottered like rickety old invalids with canes. The train crept into a gigantic cathedral, gave a screech, and stopped. The station was a huge circus tent. A few doves were sitting on high perches, cooing. I knew. These doves had emerged from a magician's bowler. An iron donkey, loaded up with suitcases, passed close beside me. A blinking magic slate kept announcing new circus numbers. Now, a colorfully dressed woman appeared, her thighs exposed. The microphone announced the names of the stars to the audience. Someone whistled behind my back, and a proud dog, dressed like a human being, made his entrance. On the counter lay a pile of sugar cubes, the classic reward for stage artists. My nose, which had been strained through the air, disoriented, suddenly had a bouquet of flowers pressed to it. There was a smell of nectar, and a word of greeting reached me through the flowers. Welcome! A number of hands were thrust in my direction. A swollen hand, a bony hand, a thin hand. Hand, 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 hand! I shook hands like a politician, giving each of these unfamiliar hands a self-important squeeze. I had never before seen such a lavish bouquet. What was it for? It wasn't as if I'd just displayed any particular artistry. Was exile like a sort of tightrope walking? A feat worthy? A reward? Admittedly, it was a challenge to pull off such a stunt without rehearsal or support, but I wasn't finding it so terribly difficult. The woman with dyed red hair, who'd handed me the bouquet, probably wanted to say something to me. Her mouth was moving as if in speech, but no words came out. In her place, a young man with appetizing baby fat sad. I apologize, but I'm the only one who speaks Russian. My name is Wolfgang. A pleasure to meet you. Beside him stood a sweaty man, grasping a banner in his right hand and a plump valise in the left. The banner read, Citizens Initiative K.A.O.S., keeping authors out of Siberia. All of them were wearing neatly ironed jeans and well-polished leather shoes. 
no doubt a sort of uniform for this initiative. I had no clue what they were discussing among themselves. One of them took his leave, then another departed as well. There were ever fewer of them, and in the end only Wolfgang and I remained. Time to go. To the left and right, buildings towered up in various heights, much smaller than the ones in Moscow. Some of the buildings reminded me of tastefully decorated cakes. The cars gleamed in the sunlight. I could even see my shape mirrored in their metal surfaces. Male and female legs in this city were clad in blue jeans. The wind offered me charred mammal flesh, coal, and sweet perfume. Wolfgang stopped in front of a building and walked up the stairs. This freshly painted building, I thought at once, must contain my apartment. When I opened the refrigerator, a heavenly landscape of pink salmon appeared, cut into paper-thin slices and sealed in transparent plastic. I tried a slice right away, and it wasn't bad, though it had a smoky aftertaste. Perhaps the fisherman smoked too many cigarettes while he was working. It took a while before this smoky flavor started to taste good to me. Wolfgang looked around and said, Beautiful apartment, no? The apartment didn't interest me particularly. All I wanted to do was crawl into the refrigerator and stay there. Wolfgang noticed that I couldn't take my eyes off the salmon and laughed. As you see, we did some serious shopping for you. They'll have to last you for the time being. As soon as he left, I quickly devoured the entire supply of salmon. I stood at the open door of the empty refrigerator, enjoying the cold air. I pulled out a drawer in the bottom section. It was filled with attractive little ice cubes. I put them in my mouth and gnawed on them. The kitchen soon began to bore me. I went into the next room, which had a television and a chair. I placed my rump carefully on the chair, gradually shifting my weight onto it, and right away there was a cracking sound. The chair lost a leg. Beyond this room was the bathroom, just as small as in the changing room of the traveling circus. I took an ice-cold shower and strolled out of the bathroom without drying myself off. At once a large puddle appeared in the hall. I shook the water from my body, lay down the bed, and suddenly had to laugh as a fairy tale popped into my head. Three bears cook some buckwheat porridge and go out for a walk. While they're gone, a little girl who's lost her way comes into the house, eats all the porridge, breaks a chair, lies down in bed, and falls asleep. The three bears come home, find the empty pot, the broken chair, and a sound asleep girl. The girl wakes up, jumps out of bed in fright, and runs away. The three bears stand there, indignant and speechless. I was now in this girl's position. What was I to do when the three bears returned from their walk?
It wasn't the three bears who showed up the next day, though. It was Wolfgang, wanting to see how I was doing in the new apartment. How are we today, he asked. I feel like the little girl in a bear book for children. Which bear book? Winnie the Pooh or maybe Paddington? I didn't know either of these bears. I mean, Lev Tolstoy's The Three Bears. Wolfgang said, I've never heard of that one. There was a curtain of ice between Wolfgang and me. Ice appears to be a solid material, but it quickly melts on contact with body heat. I placed my arm on Wolfgang's shoulder, jestingly but firmly. He broke free with remarkable deftness and speed, arranged his face in a rectangular configuration, and said, I've brought you some paper and a fountain pen. We want you to continue your work. Please begin as soon as possible, so that the work will be completed as soon as possible. We assure you that you will receive payment from us for your work. Wolfgang's mouth smelled of lies. There are different sorts of lies, and each one has its own smell. This particular lie smelled of suspicion. Wolfgang was probably reporting not his own thoughts, but the words of his boss. Wolfgang was a liar. But fortunately, he was still a young liar. His smell revealed that he was still a child, and a smell cannot lie. I gave him a playful shove, and when he didn't react, I gave him another one. He pursed his lips and shouted, Stop that! But then could no longer suppress his childish desire to wrestle with me. I threw him to the ground, being careful not to crush him. While we were playing, the smell of the lie disappeared from his body. Nine Two Y's Red By is produced and commissioned by New York's Nine Two Y Unterberg Poetry Center, a home for live readings and literature for over 80 years. To invite more authors into your home, subscribe to Nine Two Y's Red By wherever you download podcasts. If you're able, please visit 92y.org slash help now to donate to support Nine Two Y and our new digital programming. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Find more great recordings at 92y.org slash redbind.